We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Welcome you here. Um, my name is Mike Newman. I'm the pastor here, and I uh, have the privilege of delivering God's word for you, um, for the building up of the church, and for the growth of her people, and for uh, uh, for gladness for the nations, so that all peoples uh, might hear and know uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and how He changes people's lives. Uh, I would like to, before we get in, just pause and pray for Afghanistan. Um, I just think that that would be not only appropriate, but um, necessary. Um, And uh, if you haven't heard, there's just, that country is in uproar. Uh, The Taliban is hunting down Christians, uh, knocking at their doors um, and uh, rooting them out and... Um, and murdering them. And so there's great persecution happening. And, uh, you know, as we were just singing and, and I was listening to our church sing, just reminded that they're, they're singing too. Um, maybe not as loud, uh, but uh, they're experiencing great joy as they trust and, and go to Jesus in their suffering and in their persecution. So let's just, let's just spend a moment in prayer for them, shall we? And so, Lord, we, uh, we just pause and pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are suffering greatly. Moms, dads, children that are sitting in, in darkness and hiding. And they are clinging to you. Uh, Lord, they're hungry, they're thirsty, and they're lonely. And so we, um, we intercede on their behalf and ask that you would be their comfort. You would be their daily bread. You'd provide just living water and that they would be nourished 
Lord, sustain them, we pray. Um, we do just, we pray almost like for camouflage for them, that they would be able to um, sit in hiding and, and that the Taliban would be blinded um, as they are looking for them, that they would just gloss over houses and that they would not be able to see um, the, the, the right and the hiding places. And, and so we just ask for that even miracle grant the Taliban great confusion uh, in this time. And, um, and we also do pray for the Taliban. Uh, you tell us, your son said, to pray for our enemies and to pray for those who persecute. And so we, um, we know that a lot of people will enter into eternity in the in uh, today in the next coming days in the next weeks and they are not prepared spiritually and so we we just acknowledge that this time is is a crucial time for many they're on the brink of eternity and so we pray that many in the Taliban would turn to Jesus Christ um, in faith and repentance that they would be saved and um, Lord we're just praying that your will be done. And if that occurs by Christians suffering well at gunpoint, um, let it be. And so we, um, we're just we're trusting you in these, these hard and dark times. And I pray that even the faith of the believers in Afghanistan would encourage, invigorate us, and embolden us to be a... Uh, um, a zealous gospel witness in, um, in our communities. So we love you and uh, we remember them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this church, there's exciting things going on, but then there's also sobering things that are happening. Um, and um, just thank you for praying with us. And um, there's no like cool or great transition into that. That's just life. And so uh, let's let's jump into the Word of God together and see um, what He has for us today. Um, so last week, if you were with us, uh, we studied Romans 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans 12. It's in the New Testament. Um, to, if you are at like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just keep taking a right. Romans 12, and we studied verses 9 through 13 last week, and we saw that there were 13 imperatives, uh, 13 like commands that told us what to do. Um, and it was this great arriving point for us as a church as we've been studying Romans. We saw in chapters 1 through 11, it was basically summarized as, hey, this is what God has done. And then we got to 12 and verses 1 and 2, in a summary, it says basically, so dedicate your life to Jesus. Like live as a, as a sacrifice unto him. And then the following week, we studied the gifts. Like here's what the Holy Spirit has given you in order to be a living sacrifice. And then we have like this place where the rubber met the road. Verses 9 to 13, where it's like, of course, the, the normative response for the Christian after giving his life this is what it looks like. Boom. Show hospitality. Boom. Love genuinely. Boom. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Right? Remember all those? 
And we left you with two things. Two things. One was, um, hey, pick one to work on. Remember that? So how did it go? Right? How did it go just going, Lord, which one did I need to hear as a result of sitting under God's word today? Right? That was last week. And uh, I've met with many of you this, this past week. And it's just been exciting to even see the word of God shape our church from week to week to week. Someone delivered a watermelon, right? According to contribute to the needs of the saints. And it was like, man, this is so cool. We love watermelon, right? Um, the other thing that we left you with was, hey, uh, on Monday morning, the elders are going to meet. And in real time, we're going to pray and we're going to just feel out the, the church and see which one we need to take a deep dive in. You remember that? So, hey, pick one for yourself, but then in the following week, we're going to pick one. And uh, it has been so invigorating, and so uh, it's been a great week for me. It's been a challenging week as I've come to this text and said, Lord, which one do I need to hear? Which one does your church need to hear? And, um, and so we picked one. You want to hear what it is? Cool. I actually like asking those kind of questions in a sermon because it's like, of course. I mean, if you say no, it's like, what are we going to do? Shut it down and just go home? It's like, so do you want to hear what it is though? Yes. All right. Romans 12, 11. Romans 12, 11. Let me read it for you, okay? There's really only one phrase that we're going to just camp out on. Romans 12, 11, it says, do not... Be slothful in zeal. That's it. That's the verse of the day. That's the one that we're going to trust Jesus to work in our life in this week. So let's get real for a second, shall we? Okay. Um, this is not the phrase that I was thinking I, that, would, that we would choose for this Sunday. I was like thinking, oh, for sure, like hospitality is going to be, oh, that'd be a great one. Or, you know, patient in affliction. We got some folks really suffering here. I think it would be really good. But after like just conversations with many of you, it seems like this one stuck for some reason and we needed to go deeper into this one. And it's a little scary, honestly, for me, because it can be very misinterpreted, like, Oh man, the pastor chose, don't be slothful in zeal. He thinks we're lazy and we need to rush to the back and sign up for nursery right away, right? <laughs> Which Emily would love for you to do that. She's like giving me the, the mm -hmm. but that is, that's not the heart of to not be slothful in zeal. That's not it. Um, I have realized in studying this week that I have misunderstood the word zeal. In my American brain, I've understood zeal to be synonymous with get busy and get your calendar nice and full. Get active. Don't be slothful, but be busy. And that's not what it means. So just so you hear me clearly today, the message is not get off your duff and start doing the Lord's work, you bunch of lazy, slothful Christians. That's not the message. So please, please hear me. Although I think as a result of being in God's word, 
I think God's word will prod, will prick the believer to respond from the heart and it'll show itself in the hands because the end result, the last portion of this verse is serve the Lord. But this part, do not be slothful in zeal, shares how to serve, how to serve the Lord. It doesn't lead with this leg of, hey, you bunch of couch potatoes. No one, especially on August 22nd, needs to hear a message with school starting and calendars like filling up. No one needs to hear, hey, church, get busier. Right? Here's a few different translations of Romans 12, 11 for you. This is out of the Christian Standard Bible. Really good translation. Uh, do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Uh, here's the NIV. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And then here's ESV. This is the one that we teach and preach out of it. It is, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So you're hearing a number of translations. And the emphasis of, hey, don't be lacking in this. Don't be slow or slothful in this. Don't lack diligence in zeal. So I've already shared like, that I've had a misunderstanding of zeal. All right, Newman, what is zeal? For a long time, I thought zeal was the enemy. Uh, that it was something associated with youthfulness. Like, yeah, that kid's got some zeal. Parentheses, what I really mean is once he grows up, He'll learn better, right? Oh, that'll die off when he's older. Or maybe like you're thinking zeal, 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 New Testament zealots. Oh, we don't want to be zealots, right? Those guys were non-believers. So I shouldn't have zeal in my life because that's what the zealots were marked with. Or what about this? What about those guys that were so zealous for God that they burnt out, right? They were like zealous Christians and they would fill their calendars with all sorts of things. And it's almost like they went after life with reckless abandonment and they had no structure, no balance. And they just, they just like lived for zeal and they burnt out. And now look at where they are. Well, I don't want to be that. Sometimes our unhealthy zeal or our unhealthy or, or misperception or wrong definition of zeal would or could lead us to say zeal is what ruined that family. Oh, I know the problems that happened there. It was because the dad was overzealous. Right? Oh, those kids, I mean, that family, that's a train wreck. What happened? And some would say, well, it's zeal. Zeal, like, in an ungodly, like, misdirected, like he was overzealous. 
I've also, and maybe you can even anticipate it, I've also mistaken the word zeal to be synonymous with ambitious. If you're full of zeal, you're an ambitious man or woman, right? But ambition, ambition has to do with setting a goal. Like you have this certain target or this particular achievement in mind. And that is what you're striving for. But zeal is different because it's this, it's this inner drive, this passion, or this, uh, some would say, diligent enthusiasm along the way. So you can say it's something like, wow, this young guy, he's in college, he wants to be a lawyer. Goal, certain achievement, specific target, that man is ambitious. Whether that's good or bad, you, don't, you can't really tell. But oftentimes, ambition is used in a negative context. Again, like, don't be ambitious. He'll learn one day. But ambition isn't always bad either. Uh, we'll get there, but in Romans 15, Paul says that he was ambitious. Let me just read it for you. You don't have to go there. He says, yes, so have I been ambitious to preach the gospel nowhere where Christ has already been named. So Paul was ambitious. He had certain goals, particular achievements in mind. He wanted to preach Jesus to everywhere where Jesus wasn't preached yet. And that fueled his, his zeal. But do you see how we can come to a certain verse Come to certain terminology in the scriptures with baggage. Do you see that? Perhaps even now you're like, oh, we're talking about zeal this morning. And you might be going, well, I don't want to be that. I've seen that cause damage. And so I'll like in a bouquet of flowers. How about I just pick and choose a few other things that are biblically appropriate? Like... Hey, there's other like fruits of the spirit. How about I just work on kindness for a while and forget about zeal? Because zeal leads to busyness. And I don't want that in my life. So, what does zeal mean? All right? Um, up here, we got two definitions of zeal. Here's one from Webster, okay? A great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. So a great energy or enthusiasm. Okay? Here's from dictionary.com. Zeal is dedication or enthusiasm for something. Did you hear that so far? Zeal is this inner happening in the heart of a man or a woman. This passion, this energy, this eagerness of desire that comes from within. So when we read Romans 12, 11, that says, Do not be slothful in zeal. What in the world does that mean? All right, so let me give you the Newman translation, okay? And if you're taking notes, um, I just write this down to chew on it and, and, uh, and uh, 
Uh, take it home to your spouse if she's sick or he's sick. And, um, and we'll let this marinate in our church for a while, okay? Here's my translation. Don't be slow to be enthusiastic for God from the heart. Don't be slow to be enthusiastic for God from the heart. So last week we learned the second phrase in this verse, to be fervent in spirit. Do you remember that fervent means that this, it's this image of boiling up. When, when things are boiled up, it raises to the top and it overflows. And I told you about my growing up years in Wisconsin and going to fish boils. Remember that? Throwing gasoline on the fire, right? And so what we're seeing here is this, this image of this boiling hot person from within. And it is, this outcome is enthusiasm. And so Paul is saying from the spirit, from your heart, get excited about the things of God. Be enthusiastic about him and don't be, don't withhold your excitement. Don't be slothful. Don't be slow to express your like hype about God. That's what God's telling us this morning in this passage, okay? You with me so far? Do you believe me so far that my ambition at the end of this message is not for you to just do more stuff, just to get off the duff and sign up for nursery? Do you, do you hear that we're talking more about excitement and enthusiasm that comes from the heart for God? Are you catching me so far? I mean, this text has like raked me over this week. I'm, I'm just been so challenged by it. And if you're here this morning, and if you have ever thought this in the back of your mind, like maybe you're sitting in the car, you're with your loved one, maybe you're with your kid, and you've gone like this, I'm so tired, I'm just going to coast, I'm not going to engage this morning, this text is for you. Or like if you've ever, you know, just been at the table with your, your neighbors or your friends. You're not quite sure how to be bold in your faith. But you're like, I don't know what to do. I'll just, I'll just be here and available and, uh, and steady. And maybe something will come of it in terms of spiritual fruit. If you've ever thought those, those thoughts, then this uh, message is for you. Because your excitement, your, your zeal for God, like his work in your life and in the lives of others can be very infectious towards others. You can make a massive difference in God's kingdom, in the lives of other people by not being slothful in zeal. So, the title of the message today is Enthusiasm for Christ and His Work. And to summarize it, we say sometimes the timeless truth is be quick with enthusiasm from the heart about the things of God, His work in your life, 
and his work in others. All right, so here's three statements. That was the introduction. A little long, I know, but I had to like woo you. I had to like buy you in on what is zeal. Are you sold yet? Okay, I got one yeah. You're sold. I'm trusting it'll work in your life then. Okay, so here's three statements coming your way about zeal that'll help you love God and grow in him, okay? Here's number one. Faking godly zeal causes burnout. Faking godly zeal causes burnout. All right, notice I did not say you can't or you're unable to fake godly zeal because sadly you can fake it. We've seen fake enthusiasm for God from Christians for a long time. And unfortunately, it's still happening. It happens all the time. People faking enthusiasm. And notice I use the word burnout again. You hear that? If you're following the logical progression of Romans, you're, you're seeing that Paul is calling you to absolutely like pour out your life and spend it for Jesus Christ. And then you go, well, won't I get burnt out? You hear quotes like, I'd rather be burnt out than rusted out for God. As if there's like a choice. If I want to be used, the end result is just burning out for God. And so you get busier and busier. And pretty soon, in your pouring out, you don't have anything else to pour out. And you are like this dry well. You put that bucket down in it and it hits bottom real quick because you ain't got nothing left. You guys remember the story of Elijah? Elijah, Elisha, what's he talking about? Oh no, Newman mentioned one of those Old Testament guys again. Dang it, right? Elijah comes first and then Elisha. Remember, you can remember it by like alphabetizing them. Like the J, J comes first before Sh in the alphabet. So Juz is the one that came first. And he's the guy that prayed to God. I counted it this week. Let me just make sure I get this right. He prayed 62 words in English. All right. I didn't count the Hebrew. 62 words in English. And fire came down from heaven and burnt up the altar after pouring a bunch of water on it. Okay. Massive spiritual success. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, come on. And then the day later, he gets threatened. And he goes down into a deep, deep valley. And almost doesn't come out of it. Experiences massive depression. And prays, Lord, take my life. I don't even want to live anymore. What? Like seeing that and then experiencing the deepest depression. What happened? Like what happened to this brother to cause such transfer of experiences? He lost perspective. He was quickly burnt out for God. Some of you have experienced that, that feeling of 
being burnt out. You're like a fire. You're trying to stay burning for God. But there's no more wood in the fire. Right? (laughs) Trying to keep it going, but where are the logs? So just to... um, just to close up point one in terms of faking godly zeal. I think the question would be, how can I keep my fire fueled for God? How can I do it? And so here's just four quick ones. They're not going to be like surprising to you. They're pretty fundamental in the Christian life. But that's why we come here, not to hear new and awesome stuff, but to also be reminded of what we need to hear. Number one, again, we're asking, how can I keep my fire fueled? The reading of God's word. How are you doing in your Bible reading? God works through his word. You need to put the reading of the scriptures as a priority in your life. Number two, memorizing God's word. I know that when I'm walking with God closely, I'm memorizing. I'm working on verses. And they're continually mulling over in my mind and my heart. It's an area that, that, that I need to work on more. But it's not an area that Christians could or should say something like, Oh, I'm just not gifted in that area. That's not me. I connect with God in other ways. Christian, you need to memorize Bible verses. <laughs> you need to hide them in your heart. You need to write them out on three by five cards and stick them in your dash. And when you're at a red light, Wisconsinites would say, when you're at a stop and go light, <laughs> right? You need to take that card out and read it and chew on it and meditate on it and memorize it. Number three, prayer. But to be specific, prayer is an individual. Um, I know a great discipline to get into is journaling, to journal out your prayer. Because oftentimes, if you're anything like me, you wake up at 6, 6.30, whatever, try to beat your kids before waking up. And then you go, all right, I got my coffee, whatever. I got my hot drink. I'm on my chair. Let's pray. Boom. Close eyes. Right? And it's like, man, journaling is a great discipline because it keeps you active. When you can write out your prayers to the Lord. It like engages more senses than you closing your eyes and praying. It's a great thing to do. Okay? And number four, and we'll just live here for a second, is praying with others. Praying with others keeps your fire hot. It's like a log. Putting it in the fire to help you in your zeal, your enthusiasm, your excitement for God. So praying with your spouse, with your family, with other saints. I think we could grow in this area of prayer as a church. Um, Let me just share that um, personally, I feel like I've dropped the ball in the area of prayer this summer. In the context of this verse, that I have been lacking zeal and I've been slothful in the area of prayer. Listen up, this is me confessing to my church. That I haven't led my wife, and I told her this week, like, I'm sorry, baby. This is an area that I've dropped the ball in, and I want to grow in it. 
We walk together, like we work out together, like we spend time with each other, but I haven't been deliberate. I've been slothful to say, hey, sweetheart, how about we pray before we get to our destination? Before, hey, we're on a walk. Hey, let's spend this time praying. I apologized to her yesterday. With my kids, like we tuck them in at night. We pray for them at night. But I've noticed this summer that prayer for my children has been more of a cue to just be quiet because we're closing down the evening, <laughs> right? Like, hey, I'm going to pray, parentheses. That doesn't mean we're going to cry out to God and go to him together. That means I'm going to pray, you're going to be quiet, and you're going like, to put your head on your pillow because I'm leaving the room soon. It's time for bed. So, oh, Lord, I've dropped the ball in prayer. And I want to pray together more as a family. Like, I want to be together in our living room. I'm not trying to be, like, legalistic. It can only happen. But, like, there's something about, like, gathering everyone in the same room to pray. And I want to do better in that. And do better in that area. And we did it last week together. It was special. It was sweet. And guess what? I had more zeal for God because of it. So my encouragement to you in those four areas... To like keep your fire hot, to put logs on that fire, to read God's word and pray and involve others and be a man and a woman that seek him through the reading of God's word, memorization of God's word and praying. You hear me out on that one? So number one was faking God's uh, faking godly zeal causes burnout. Number two manufactured zeal doesn't work manufactured zeal doesn't work so remember we're continuing like just reminding ourselves what is this zeal and we're seeing it's this inner enthusiasm this heart expressed for god that results in external or external visibility and fruit but it comes from within Proverbs says, from the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So if you try to manufacture zeal, that would be like trying to dip from your dry well and pour out something that you don't have. So you're like trying to muster something up in and of yourself that's not there. And so you try to manufacture it. And Paul says, don't do that. That's why you need to be fervent, boiling over in your spirit. You've got to commune, connect, know God from within first. So far, just to pause, perhaps um, uh, in your inner thoughts, devil's advocate is going, well, Mike, I'm just not an enthusiastic person. I'm more like steady and even keeled. And I would say, yeah, right. Come on. I've seen you at a football game. Like you guys get hyped for things. It's just getting excited and enthusiastic about the right things. Right? I shared last week about the dad that got excited about the right things. Do you remember that? Like he came down the stairs and he was frothing at the mouth, excited about spiritual things. And his kids went, 
whoa, dad, you're uh, really excited about it. And guess what? They knew then that his faith was genuine. And that's how you make a difference in a person's life. When you get excited, when you're enthusiastic about the right things, kids can tell whether you're a fake or not. Right, kids? Mm -hmm. But you can't manufacture that excitement because you can see through that in a heartbeat too. So the big question is, this is a, a more of a pastoral question, would be, what if I'm not excited about the things of God? Like, what about if my well is dry? What if I don't feel like I'm boiling over for God? What do I do about that? Could I just take a moment and answer that? This is like another sermon for another day. But just to go on the heels of that, I would say perhaps you have sin in your life. Perhaps there is some undealt with sin that you have yet to confess and repent of that's causing a break in the fellowship with the Lord. You haven't lost your salvation. I'm not saying that. But it, it distances you from God. There's a reason why Jesus said, for the pure in heart will see God. If you're not pure in heart, ch just change the verse around. What will, how will it read? You won't. If you're not pure in heart, you won't see God. Your vision of him is cloudy, distorted. So in order to get back to a pure heart, you must deal with your sin. You must confess your sin unto the Lord and repent. Another one is that you may be quenching the spirit who is the living water. So it might not be a sin of commission, but it might be something where the, the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something and you've gone, you've suppressed it. You're quenching it. You're quenching the spirit. It's a sin of omission. You just haven't done what the Lord is leading you to do. Not everyone can see that. It's not like you're, you know, on heroin and, you know, your needles all over the ground and you're like, oh, this guy is obviously in sin. He's taking drugs, right? Sins of omission are a little bit more quiet. Sometimes it's between you and the Lord and you're quenching the spirit. Perhaps that's why you feel like you don't really love or you're not excited or enthusiastic about the things of God. Or perhaps you need to surrender to something and be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the analogy of control, to give over control to the Lord and allow the Spirit to work in and through your life. That's number three. Um, forgive me. Number two, you can't manufacture zeal. And here's number three. These are just three things, not an exhaustive list, but just as a church to be um, on the same page with and to uh, be helpful for the body of Christ as you pursue God in a zealous manner. It would be this. It's easy to be slothful in zeal during hard times. <laughs> right? Do you know what I mean by that? Like, we can be excited about the Lord and we can be fervent in the spirit when things are going well. But when things are not going well, 
oftentimes us Christians switch into this different mode. Like, it's this challenging concept to grasp. But our culture worships this idea of being authentic over like most things. And so when asked, how are you doing? If we don't share our deepest, darkest, hardest thing that's going on right away, it means, or it must mean, that we're not being authentic with each other. And so we oftentimes lead with the leg of what is the worst thing going on in my life? How can I share it? And how can I kind of be mopey about it? And so, in our hard times, we're not zealous for him, but we complain. And we can mask it, or it's guised in the form of authentic Christian community. So there's examples all throughout history, all throughout church history, all throughout the scriptures that have godly men and women going through trials and tribulation and still being zealous for God. Can I give you a couple? All right, here's Paul. All right, just, just envision this. Paul and Silas, they're preaching the gospel. They get shackled in their hands and their feet. They get whipped. They, let me just use the, the biblical term. They get severely flogged. They're thrown into prison. And what do these two guys do? They sing. Scripture says it, that they sing spiritual songs and hymns to the Lord. And I, I read this week, I never saw this phrase before. It says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that interesting? Their zeal for God had incredible evangelistic efforts. Like other people were watching them. And the, I'm sure the prisoners didn't go like this. Ugh, those bunch of fakes. <laughs> right? No way did they do that. They were like, wow. Something's going on in their life. And they're certainly experiencing hard times. And they're enthusiastic about the Lord. They're not being slothful. Here's another one. Um, and this is like, in the, I'll frame it more in like Bible study skills, Bible study methods, okay? Who likes to like read the Bible and then use cross-references? Yeah? So like those little tiny numbers in there, you read a word, you read a word like uh, first fruits. I'm just picking it. And then it has like number seven or the letter J under it. And you're like, what in the world? Does, why does it have J in there? And then you go on down to the bottom. And there's all these like little tiny things. And some of you get out your readers and you're like, what is it saying? Right. And then you like flip back and forth. This is just me following one cross reference this week. Okay. From this passage. It cross-referenced Acts 20.19. Let me read it for you, okay? I think they use this cross-reference for the church to understand what it means to serve the Lord and what sort of attitude um, servants have. All right, this is Paul in Acts 20 talking to the elders on a beach. 
And he's describing what it was like. And he says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me throughout parts of the, uh, through the parts of the Jews who are, who are you did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testify both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Serving God was very like, in our world, we would say inconvenient. It was tear-filled. It had tremendous trials. And he is like looking at these guys with like lights shining like through his eyes and boiling over from his heart. Not with like ridiculous enthusiasm, like, whoa, that guy's weird, but with zeal. One more. One more example of a person who had zeal. Jesus. He lived a godly zeal. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, had this heart desire to please God, his Father, with his life. And never once did he complain. Isaiah 53 says it like this. This is verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Two times in this verse talks about how Jesus didn't open his mouth. He could have complained. He could have called it. He has zeal to obey the Father and to accomplish the will of the Father in his life. It's not misplaced zeal that causes burnout. It's not slothful zeal like, I'll go to earth one day. This is a diligent passion all the way to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And he did the Father's will with gladness. So, to me, just in closing... It would seem like the application, if you haven't caught it yet already, it would seem, if we don't like press ourselves and lean into it, it would seem that we should say like, hey church, don't be slothful in zeal, parentheses, just obey as quick as possible. Is that it? Like just, as soon as you can, serve the Lord, don't be lazy. And that's, that's not been the heart of our time together in God's word. Certainly, we don't want to suppress or delay obedience. But what this phrase is talking about, the heart of it is that you wouldn't show slothful tendencies towards your passion for God. Like when you are serving, that you wouldn't be like, 
Yeah. So question, in what areas are you lacking zeal for God? Like, write that question down. Like, ponder it this week. As we meet in groups, we'll be talking about that. In your service to Him, here's a new term. Have you been nonplus? You ever heard that term before? To be nonplus would be like, it's not like you're being negative, but you're just not being positive. In your service to God, have you been just nonplus? Just, I haven't been excited, but it's not like I've, it's not like I'm going around swearing or anything like that. So I think I'm doing fine. To close, here's three ways around the meal table that you can be zealous for God, okay? And I hope, I mean, there's a million ways we can apply this, but here's just how it could play out in conversation, okay? So you're around the breakfast table and you're with your family. Everyone's still kind of waking up a little bit, getting the sleepies out of their eyes. And you say, this is you, dad, you, mom, you, child, okay? Anyone around the table says, hey, could I share with you guys what the Lord taught me this morning in the word? It's you being assertive, not slothful, and you being excited about God's word and what he's teaching you. Don't be overly obnoxious with your enthusiasm, okay? <laughs> like it's still 6.30 in the morning, um, but be zealous. All right, let's go to the lunch table. All right, so you're at the lunch table with a friend this week, okay? And you're talking about current challenges. Let's say you're both discussing your children's education. And just let's say it's a college education. And you're both going, how in the world are we going to pay for our kids' college, okay? And it is easy. It's easy to turn negative, or I used it before, kind of mopey around. Your shoulders kind of slump, and you go, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we're just going to have to trust the Lord, you know, like that. But then, no, 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 no. I heard this week that God is calling me to not to be slothful in zeal. And so your, your words change. They're morphed because your heart was impacted. And now you say something like this. You know, I'm really excited to see what the Lord's going to do. He's, he's going to take us on a journey, isn't he? And we're going to trust him. That is something worthy to follow. If you want to have influence in a person's life, have zeal. Let's go to the dinner table. All right, so you're invited to uh, uh, a dinner table with your non-believing neighbors, right? And um, here's the dinner conversation. We've all been there. Hey, let's see how everyone's doing. Like, let's share some updates. Updates are your opportunity for evangelism. That is the chance you've been waiting for. You've been praying your whole life for like a chance to share Christ with your neighbors, right? How are you going to do it? How are you going to influence them? Like, I know these people don't know the Lord. I want them to know. I wish, Lord, you would just bring about an opportunity. And then updates come and you're like, well, that wasn't it. For sure. Updates are your opportunity, okay? 
You could choose a hundred things to give an update on. You could choose. I wrote down a couple. Sports. You could choose your kids' sports. Or just the latest sports game you've been to. The latest one on TV. Whatever. You could choose sports. You could choose school starting, which is happening right now. My kids, they love this teacher. They're struggling with this teacher. That's an update. Is it true? Yes. You could choose COVID updates. And there are many of them. Yes, church? This is the new news on masks for our school. This is what we're doing now. Oh, wait, this is what I heard. Did you read this article about COVID? Oh, what? I didn't read that one. Okay, hold on. There's a lot of updates. Or you could choose something spiritual. And you could be zealous about it. Church, this is where God can use you. You could say something like, well, um, do you mind if I share something a little more personal with regards to updates? Ain't nobody going to say no to that one, okay? And then you could say like, hey, with a smile on your face and like life in your eyes. You could be like, hey, um, my wife and I have been really struggling in, in this area. And I know this is like, Maybe more than you asked for, but they didn't because they asked for an update. You're directing the conversation. We've been especially praying for, and you fill in the blank, our youngest, our oldest, whatever it is. And we're still in the middle of it. Smile. We're still struggling, but you know what? God is using it in our life. And he's bringing us closer together in our marriage and we have never felt more near to God than going through this struggle together. And so I just wanted to share that and um, see what you guys think. And if you can identify, that's it, guys. That's you being zealous and making a difference and influence in the lives of others. So I'd like to close with, with some prayer. Okay. And I'd like to just, I'd like to pray and then just leave a little bit of a gap of time for you to ask the Lord for zeal in particular areas, okay? And so let's just bow our heads and I'll, I'll lead out and then, and then I'll stop and then you, you fill it in and connect, commune with the Lord and ask him to work in your life in this particular area, Okay. So the first one is to ask the Lord to give you enthusiasm for him. So Lord, we just pause now after uh, turning this verse over, dwelling on it. We know that you want us to have zeal for you and not to be lazy or slothful in our excitement for you. Would you give us zeal? We don't want to manufacture it or fake. Would you do that? And go ahead and pray now. Let's ask the Lord to give us zeal and enthusiasm for his word. Lord, 
forgive us for coming to your word with a casualness or with a negativity or with just a non-plus attitude. Would you grant us great excitement to know you through your word? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to give us enthusiasm about and within our conversations. So Lord, you know your people. You're the shepherd, you know your sheep, and your sheep are going to have thousands of conversations this week in the workplace, at school, wherever. Lord, would you grant us zeal in those conversations? Would you give us a great excitement for the things of God, for how you're working in our lives, for how you're working in others? And would you not have our tongue be slow to share those, even if it is costly or even if it sounds weird or different? Would you help us there? Let's pray. And the last one is that we want to ask the Lord for zeal in our service. So Lord, help us to identify areas that we can serve. And Lord, would you supply the passion, the zeal, the enthusiasm? Not begrudgingly, but with a full heart. Let's pray to that end. And so we're trusting you, Lord, with these things. And may you work and put your word on our hearts, plant it deep, that we may grow in you this week. We don't want to fake it. We don't want to manufacture it. Would you, would you help us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.